Hey, everyone, just wanted to let you know that I had such an amazing conversation a few weeks ago with the co-founders of Riot Games that we actually couldn't squeeze it all into the main interview. So today we have a bonus for you. It's my short conversation with Mark Merrill and Brandon Beck about how video games and digital technology are transforming the way we live for good, for bad, and in ways we don't quite understand. And they both have some really interesting insights about all of that. Now, of course, the main episode for Riot Games is also in your queue, but if you want to listen to this bonus episode first, go right ahead, and however you decide to do it, enjoy. You guys, are you guys either, either of you have kids yet? Yeah, yeah, we both do. Yeah. Okay. Are they little, little kids? I've got six, four, and two, and Mark has... Seven and six. Seven and six, yeah. Are you guys, I mean, I, we are very restrictive with screens. It's a very hard, and our kids fight us on this all the time. But you guys work in the screen world. Are you restrictive on screens? Big time. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, we are very restrictive. Yeah, we have, we have no screen time during the week without, like, very special exceptions. And then during the weekends, you know, now that they're older, we do a little bit more. But, you know, it's like two hours a day max. They're not like dad. <laughs> You invented League of Legends. Like, you're, are you kidding me? I can't play a video game? No, they try that. <laughs> you know, now that my son's seven and, you know, he's, he actually really, really enjoys video games too. It's, it's fascinating. And he, you know, he does try to use that against me. Like, you're in front of the computer all day. You know, excuse me, working, you know, down in my office or whatnot. Why can't I? Yeah. And, you know, we essentially just explain why it's important to be bored. Boredom is critical for creativity and problem solving because when you're bored, that then you go, oh, I'm going to go pick up the stick and it's actually a sword. And whereas if you always default to the path of least resistance where I can just grab the iPhone and instantly go play ball stars for hours, you know, that, that can have negative cognitive development and social development on the kids' implications. I agree a thousand percent. And by the way, this is why in my house we have no screen Saturdays. We just, that's the day we chose. Friday night, all of our screens go into a locked cabinet including mine and my wife's, and we don't even use our phones. So we are back in the That's 80s. Cool. We have physical maps that, well, actually our car has GPS, so we do use that. But we still do use maps sometimes. If we get to a restaurant, it's closed, and we didn't call ahead, we move on. Like that's our Saturday. So we, we, we do that to force <laughs> ourselves to be bored. But, you know, it's a problem. Like the world that you guys have helped to create, and I'm not, I'm not, trying to shame you. I'm just saying the world that you've been part of and helping to create has is a world where there is no boredom. And that is a really big problem. You know, I mean, do, do you ever think about that? We do. Yeah. I mean, I, and, or go ahead, B. I was just going to say, I mean, obviously, th think about it in the context of, of our own kids who, um, you know, who we, we want to engage in that same kind of unstructured play that, you know, we had a lot of opportunity and yeah, because I do think that that without boredom, with constant stimulation, like we just as a society, we don't know what that does yet. You know, does it change the the depth? Like, have have you contemplated as much? Have you been in your head as much? Uh, you know, as you grow up, and you know, what do you if if not, what do you what are you missing, and what do you lose? Um, I think we're at the very beginnings of understanding, you know, what what it means. Yeah. Well, and just to add to that. Everybody's still figuring out what are the right ways to govern this new virtual landscape. And so, you know, how much should governments regulate and what types of content and what's appropriate? How much self-policing or moderation or content should happen on various platforms? You know, how should we help try to nurture 
you know, positive communities. And I think it's a really interesting challenge and really interesting problem. And we've spent a lot of time thinking about that, uh, whether it's, you know, how we try to foster sportsmanship to parental controls, to thinking about the types of content we create. I mean, it's, there's a, just a lot of complexity. You know, I remember I went to a TED conference a couple of years ago and the founder of Twitch, um, one of the founders of Twitch spoke at the conference and he said something that really bothered me in his TED talk. You can, you can, you can find it on, on, online. He said that Twitch is, you know, is like the new campfire. It's, it's actually bringing communities and people together. And I just thought if, that is the, if that's the world we're going to live in where everyone's connecting through using Discord and, and, and Twitch and, you know, that, that's not a world I w- I'm, I'm looking forward to. Like that is not the campfire. Like humans need to be together and that really worries me. Now maybe I'm a tinfoil lunatic here on this. Maybe everyone listening is like you are – like you're just <laughs> I, I just can't believe that that's the new campfire. I just I don't want to believe that. I don't know. Do you guys think that that's what, what you know, sitting around and playing massive multiplayer online games should be the new campfire? So I think it's a new type of campfire, but I don't think it's it replaces social interaction in a physical space. But I think, you know, it also depends on who you are. Right. And so as an example, if you have a you know physical disability, right, that could be pretty debilitating, all of a sudden, right, if you can engage in some of these online worlds or, or virtual games or whatnot, you can now have a, you know, it, to a certain extent, many people have reported a better quality of life in terms of forging social relationships and you know deeply meaningful connections to people. You know, to Brandon's point earlier, like I personally have made friendships that are going to be lifelong from playing MMOs. So like I went to a friend's wedding in outside of London in the English countryside because I played EverQuest with him and brought my wife and we got to go hang out with his awesome English family. And that was, that was really cool. And it's because we know each other so well because we spend a lot of time online, you know, and so a lot of what players love to do online is just another way of connecting. Like if you, if you graduate high school and you go off to college, you can stay more connected to a lot of your friends by doing some activities online and that's positive. And then you can come back of course and see each other, you know, in person, or you can go to an esports event or, you know, another physical event also where you get yeah. together with other people who love the thing that you like also. And, and there's a positivity there too. This is a, this is a, just a, this could be a whole separate episode, but I will just say one, one thing, which is with every technology, there are incredible benefits. YouTube, right? Like has amazing videos, just unbelievable videos and, Facebook connects people who have lost touch and Twitter can be an incredible source of information. I mean, in Northern California during wildfires, it's wonderful. But there's there's a flip side to it, which is there is – there's also a lot of really bad behavior. I guess you could say, well, there's a lot of bad behavior in the, in, in the public square too, right? But when people can be anonymous behind a screen, they feel safer to be more cruel or – more destructive in their behavior. And it's a thing that's really sad. I just, it, it's, it really bothers me. Well, we've, we've thought about this a lot and studied it and built teams that have tried to really cultivate a positive community. And it's a really complex problem. But I, you know, I think Brandon and I both agree with that dynamic you're describing where there is definitely a major downside to a lot of this technology and this connectivity. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us as, you know, 
business leaders, technology leaders, you know, community leaders, our government to help figure out how to, how do we create a new structure around human interaction in virtual environments to make it better in a lot of ways and to, to reduce and mitigate the harm. And, and I'll give you an example, but you know, to a certain extent, like you, like you mentioned on there on the campfire on Twitch or whatnot, or on Twitter, you know, like it's like having, if you go to a, a football game at the Coliseum, right? American football game there, you know, there could be a hundred thousand people screaming and watching an event or a match happening. But now a hundred percent of the conversations or the words that somebody is saying in that stadium as a fan is now permanently recorded. And not only that can be directly sent to that player that maybe you'd yell at and be like, oh, you get disappointed if somebody drops a pass or, you know, like, oh, that guy sucks or something. Now the tweet, when somebody says that goes to that person, and they're going to see it. Whereas in general, somebody may just say that in passing, you know, yeah. in the stadium, be like, ah, oh, you know, that player. But then if they go see that, that player at a bar, they'd be thrilled to be like, oh my gosh, what's up? You know, and so a lot of times people, I think technology makes it feel worse than what they actually intend because in a moment of weakness or a moment of emotion, somebody has an outburst and the other person that's receiving that doesn't actually know yeah. that that's the case. And the, we've studied this where, you know, we built this player behavior team and about 40% of League of Legends players will never be mean to somebody else in a game. They're just always cool. And then about less than 1% of players, literally less than 1%, will be total jerks that just try to go ruin the game a lot of the time yeah. for other people. And it's, you know, it's us, easy for us. So we go, well, let's just ban those people right? whenever we find them and try to build better detection right. mechanisms to help keep our community clean. But then the remainder, which is you know, close to 60% of the population, that's everybody or that other group sometimes has a bad day and sometimes they can be rude to somebody. And what we found is when we're able to build automated feedback tools that jump up and tell them, Hey, like you've been reported, or this is negative that your behavior just did 70% of our players that receive these, these warnings and these, this feedback continue to play the game and never get those warnings again. So we can find ways to help train people to be more aware of their behavior. Right. In a similar way to, if you think about little league sports, you know, like people learn how to be, you know, humble in victory and gracious in defeat because they have coaches and all that, like that infrastructure and societal infrastructure to help people learn how to behave in a civil manner. It doesn't exist yet. Right. We're building this stuff incrementally. And so, but we need it in order to not have mental illness rates continue to climb and, you know, all the negative things that you're, that you're seeing. That's Mark Merrill and Brandon Beck the co-founders of Riot Games. To hear the whole story of how the company was founded, just look in your podcast queue. The full episode should be right there. And thanks, as always, for listening. The news is about more than what just happened. You need to know why it happened, who made it happen, how it's felt in the communities you care about. NPR's daily news podcast, Consider This, gives you all of that, with context, backstory, and analysis on a single topic every weekday. It's not just information, it's what the news means. Consider This from NPR.